Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Oh man, it is episode 40 of Orange and Back Check. I am Bill Kornfeld. He is Scott Weinhardt. It is the Vinny LeCavier episode of the Orange and Back Check. And man, it is a doozy because not only are the Flyers going on to the first round of the playoffs as they were guaranteed because they were top four seed, but they're not just in the top four seed. They are the top seed in the Eastern Conference for this Stanley Cup playoff. Scott, did you think we were going to be here back in our first episode in October, the top seed in the East? I'm going to make something very, very clear here, okay? Yep. Very clear. It is 2020. Donald Trump is president. We just, well, actually, we're still going through a pandemic. Um, People are going crazy left and right, and now the Flyers have a goaltender, and they're in first place. If we truly live in a simulation, someone's messing with it, because I can't believe that they're in first place. I I can't believe they won the top seed. I can't believe it. Or the person playing the simulation has finally just said, you know what, I've tortured Philadelphia Flyers fans enough. I think it's time to give them a break. Boy, man, I I would never think that there would be a mathematical sequence like this to be able to figure that problem out of Flyers goaltending and getting first place again. I mean, seriously, we haven't seen this since the year 2000. It's been 20 years since they've had the first overall seed. Yeah. And that year ended, unfortunately, in disaster where they had a 3-1 lead on the Devils in the conference final and then then blew it, for those who remember it. And, uh... It was a very tough game seven that ended you know, this, Eric Lindros' tenure. This is flyer. supposed to be a positive podcast for 2020, and you just got to bring it all down, trying to make us remember all that. Hey, listen, I'm just being a realist, <laughs> but I mean, 2020's done that enough for us already. People should be used to this kind of negativity That's because true. it is 2020. So, but, I mean, everybody else is like, oh my God, how could the world be like this? Everybody in Philadelphia is like, finally, everybody else caught on. Yeah. So, uh, my initial thoughts on the game were obviously, it was a pretty, I would say they played a good, solid. 40 minutes and then they kind of got lackluster in the last 20 but as you and as you said and pointed out and then minutes later Brian Boucher of the NBC broadcast pointed out they were getting dominated but they were keeping players and the other the lightning on the outside they weren't getting many cross ice passes creating things in the slot or anything like that so it create it didn't create many many chances they put Carter Hart to work but I thought the Flyers played a, a rough 20 minutes but it counterbalance because of how well they played the first 40 
Agreed. And that's absolutely right. And and that's what I was seeing as the game was going on, is that overall, yes, they won 4-1 to yesterday. I don't think they played that great of a game. And I that, think they capitalized on some chances, but yep. I think overall that while they were able to fend off Tampa, I don't necessarily think they played very well. Ivan Prorob didn't have a good game yesterday. And you have to think the Flyers got a little lucky, too, with Victor Hedman getting hurt, and they still don't have Tampa. They still don't have Steven Stamkos back. So, and it doesn't look like, I mean, Hedman's injury looked like he's going to be out a little bit. Yeah, so, that ankle did not go in the right direction an ankle no, should go. it did not. And I think that with Braden Point stepping up and showing he's turning into almost like a really like top-level player, I would say borderline elite at this point, uh, with Nikita Kucherov, um, I'm, I will give the Flyers complete credit for the fact that they had a game that they got into and they wound away to, to, to grind out. But I I wouldn't say there was red flags, but I could tell you Vigneault in the locker room was probably saying, hey, you finally got the monkey off your back. You beat Tampa, something you haven't done in a couple years here, but you know that you have to improve on a couple things, especially heading into the series in Montre- against Montreal. Yeah, and and but the and. Well, I should say, though, you were saying that Provero had a rough game. The one player that we both didn't anticipate to see for the foreseeable future, we both, I both anticipated maybe a first rounder, depending in the first round of the playoffs for him. But Shane Gossesbear, I thought he played a hell of a game. And I thought about it, and I think the clear sign of why Vigneault gave him the nod for this game was not just because he wants to get him going, but he's also, because like we kept on talking about, of how fast uh, how fast the Lightning are, you know Gossespear is just as fast or as fast, at, faster than some of the players on, on the Tampa Bay side, so he immediately clearly was like, I just need speed on the ice, and right. Gossespear took advantage of it. Right, and that's exactly on point. Uh, I think a couple episodes we talked about, too, if we were going to see Ghost. Last yeah. week we talked about we probably weren't because they were playing so well. But a couple weeks ago we did talk about how we probably would see Ghost in this game for that reason. And but we, and we also didn't but we did, just didn't have the caveat they would both be 2-0 going for the number one seed. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think that it showed me that Vigneault's not afraid to throw anybody out there. And I yeah. think that that builds a lot of confidence for this team going into the playoffs. 100%, yeah. It's, it's a huge confidence. So players are going knowing, hey, when my number's called, coach needs me to play, and I'm going to play my game. And, I mean, look, Ghost had an assist on the first goal, and I think he had an assist that passed across to Joel Farabee. I mean, that was so bang-bang. Couturier on the forecheck, bringing it up to Ghost on the half wall, who immediately saw the cross-ice pass. Now, normally, when a defenseman drops like that down low, you never go across the ice like that. That's just bad news. But they caught Tampa off guard. And you're going to need a lot of that going forward. That was a quick east-west play that was really good. And Faraby banged it home. And listen, Andre Vasilevsky made some good saves yesterday, but he wasn't overly busy. But the Flyers still put four past him. So, um Sometimes with a goaltender, when you don't have a lot of action going on, you kind of get off your game a little bit. I think that's exactly what the recipe was to beating Tampa yesterday. Yeah. They, they controlled play all through the third period. I was disappointed in it and the fact that they couldn't get out of their own zone, but they didn't give up the big play. They did not give up anything in the middle. Tyler Johnson's goal was a missed assignment. Carter Hart has a 1.0 goals against the average this entire playoff. Him and Brian Elliott both have a 1.0. They lead the league. 
in goals against in the playoffs. I'm glad you brought that up because just to go, spring off that, you kind of like you don't. It's obviously not ideal, but I feel like the general rule of thumb is only give up one goal a period. If you can just give up one goal, period, you're probably going to be in a good good spot, especially in today's NHL. The fact that both of these goalies, yes, Carter Hart is the clear-cut starter for the remainder of the playoffs. He's going to get the gut nod game one for sure. Um, but these guys are, like, you. the fact that they're not just only giving up one goal, one goal a period, they're only giving up one goal a game is insane and unheard of. So when it when they do start to give up those two goals a game, two goals a period, when it happens, inevitably happens. Don't panic. This is part of the ebbs and flows of a hockey series and a game. Right, and you're going to see a lot of that because Carey Price was just as strong um, a, a for against Pittsburgh. Yeah, we'll get into, we'll get into the, the the series breakdown in a little bit, but it's important to know the Flyers' goaltending has finally come through. Right, let's look at it real. If you're really going to look at it. Tyler Johnson's goal yesterday was the first goal that actually beat a flyer that came off the opposing team stick. Yes, it was clean. It was a nice pass, and, and Carter Hart really didn't have anything. He it. didn't have an answer. Exactly. No, it was just a, a quick play in front and missed the sign, and someone should have covered him in the slot. They didn't. It's a power play. Sometimes that happens where guys sneak in uncontested. You had to prevent it at all costs, but sometimes it does happen on a bang-bang play. But think of it. The, the game against Boston, it went off, I believe, Robert Haig's skate. And then the other one against with Elliott against Washington, that went off a flyer skate as well. So um, that's the first time that another team has actually scored against the Flyers. But, but as much as we've been saying that, look, this is a great thing. The Flyers have the first overall seed. Everybody still take a step back here. Let's not anoint them anything yet. As exciting as it is. You're going to go into a very, very tough series against Montreal. And there are some, again, not red flags, but a game they had to grind out where they didn't play well and they want, were fortunate enough to win. Um, you know, it might be a little bit of a, I shouldn't say, I don't even know really how to describe it. It might be a little bit of a rough start going against Montreal with the way because they play similar in their speed. They don't have as much talent, but the speed is still there. Um, so, I mean, just don't be surprised if this team goes down 1-0 or 2-0 in this series to begin with when we get into it, but see, uh, I, 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 don't, I think it could happen. I don't see it happen. Like, we always talk about you need the right goalie. You, uh, besides, the, the we've discussed it time and time again, the second-line center and Kevin Hayes being that extra additive of what you need to win a cup, but let's focus on the two main things. You need goalies, you need a, a hot goaltender, and you need a hot team in general. Everyone always says, if you're the hot team coming to June on a normal NHL playoff schedule, you don't want to face that team. And 9 out of 10 times, that's exactly who wins the Stanley Cup uh, The Stanley Cup at the end of it. Yeah. St. Louis last year was one of the hottest teams in the NHL at the end in, in June, and it did not surprise anyone, or I guess April is what I should be saying, pardon me. Well, they were they were dead last in January. They exactly. were dead last in the league. And they got so hot... That everyone in the West was just telling themselves, this is not the team we want to face. And lo and right. behold, they won the Cup. I see that similar uh, mindset and skill and play right now in the Flyers. No one, even, even I, I, I'm somehow blanking on Montreal's coach right now. Oh, um, Boston's Boston's old coach. Claude, Come on. Uh, Come on. Oh, my God. Just say it because I, I can't. Claude Julien. Child Claude Julien. Thank you. I, it was, he even said they are the best team in the East right now. Obviously, that's that, like thanks, Claude. When you say that uh, as to the team that's the number one seed, that obviously goes without being said. But 
He's right at the same time because he's implying that they're the hottest team and no one wants to play them. No one wants to play this Philadelphia Flyers team. To your point when we were talking about in the pregame, in the pregame of the show, could this series go seven? Absolutely. More chance than not that this is going to be a six or seven game series. However, when the Flyers sweep this team, I should, I'm not predicting. I shouldn't say in that sense because I'm not predicting. If the Flyers were to sweep this Montreal team don't or beat them in five like they did in 2010 for in the Eastern Conference Finals, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And Montreal fans are probably... I would be shocked, and I think we're going to have to look into this. I would not be shocked if people in Montreal right now are scared to be facing no. this team right now. No, I don't However good they've get, been playing. I get they beat Pittsburgh. Doesn't matter. I, I think... I really believe no one wants to face this Philadelphia Flyers team right now. Uh, look, I, you, you look. There's no, there's no issue with what you're saying. Uh, you, your point is completely valid. I don't think that Canadians fans are scared. I think Canadians fans are jacked the fact that they didn't expect to be in this position. Right, look, they're actually all, in the playoffs and they might be winning Stanley Cup for the first time in uh, twenty years, twenty-seven years. Yeah, uh, 1993 was the last one. So, <laughs> with with Montreal though, th- this this is the kicker. Um, they are. A team you you really they are the they were the twenty fourth seeded team they were the very very last team added into this and they came in and they upset Pittsburgh now if you look I went back and I watched that entire series again because I'm a loser and I have no life <laughs> um, so I went back and watched that entire thing again I saw a lot of flaws in Pittsburgh that allowed Montreal to kind of hang around if you look at the Twitter feed we're kind of saying when I'm watching games you can kind of tell when a team is dominating a team is just letting another team hang around and just can't put the bullet through you know they just can't get it done Evgeny Malkin was kind of coasting through the neutral zone I don't know if it's a conditioning issue for them or something but they were playing slow they weren't playing very fast they weren't playing very organized and Pittsburgh's defense does not look very good at all I mean Jack Johnson was awful in that series um Crystal Tang, for as much as he puts points on the board, um, he he's not he he didn't play that well defensively, and also Pittsburgh had these issues coming in because they had weak goaltending from Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. While he held the fort, he's not really a guy who's going to take you to the promised land. You're going into a series with a fast team like Montreal, who let's say let's be honest, they have one of the best goaltenders in the world in Carey Price, and they also have one of the best defensemen in the world in Shea Weber. So who's been around since the days of when the Flyers fan? Remember when we went through three or four years of he's coming here, Shea Weber, Paul Holmgren. Well, he did. That's right. He signed that that tentative contract, but and then uh, somehow Nashville was able to match that. Well, it was he was a restricted free agent in 2012. They had just made they had just found out they had lost Chris Pronger permanently, put his salary at LTIR, brought him here for a tour. He wasn't going to re up for Nashville. Nashville didn't want to give him the money. What happened? What ended up happening with that deal was was that they came here. It was so cool to see his name on the jersey and him touring these things. I'm thinking, my God, like Shea Weber at the time in 2012, he was like the premier defenseman that would have worked in Lobby's system. And can you imagine that 2012, 2013 team, even with the lockout with with Shea Weber or 2013, 2014 team? My God, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but they wanted Nashville wanted both Luke Shen. And Braden Shen. They wanted both of them in the trade. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You should have flipped them for Shea Weber. That cap situation would have been something to deal with down the line. But they wouldn't give him up. And that's why Nashville wound up matching the offer. Right. 
So. But either way, like it goes to the point that Shea Weber has been a monster for the better part for the entire decade, and he's now on his third team. No, he went right from Nashville to Montreal, didn't he? Yeah, they traded. It was a, it was a hockey trade. That's for right. PK Subban, who yeah. I love. I love PK Subban. I don't want to go on a tangent about PK Subban because it's it's it totally on this. He's what he's probably my not favorite non flyer player in the NHL. He, he very right for so very very. He's got a great personality, and he brings a lot of attention to the game of hockey, and he plays with a lot of intensity. PK was always great. I Montreal, they liked him, but then they didn't like him. I mean, it found out, I mean, down the line, he almost became a flyer at one point, too. Lobby was trying to push for them to trade for him back in 2011, and it just didn't work out. Um, that would have been, he would have been a great fit in Philadelphia at the time. Uh, PK is a great, great player. I think he's definitely on the backside of his career now. Um, his brother Malcolm plays for the Blackhawks as their backup goaltender. He never really panned out as well as he should have. Um, but uh, P- I agree with you. PK is a, a great thing. He There was a, something uh, a couple years ago that ESPN did some sort of feature, a video feature of him in Nashville. And it was one of the coolest things ever. Just really, you need more guys like him in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as we're about to, I think we'll probably get wind of what this schedule, this schedule is going to be come... I would imagine late tonight, early tomorrow, because we obviously were monitoring the Maple Leafs and, and Columbus game right now to determine the final game. Overall, besides the Flyers and Montreal game, Scott, what matchup are you most looking forward to, in East or the Western Conference, either or? Well, there are some pretty good ones that are going to be coming. Um, I know that, well, they give you an update in the, um, in the in what's called the game between Columbus and Toronto. Columbus is up one nothing. They're just about to wrap up the first period, less than a minute to go. And uh, they just hit the post twice. They hit the crossbar, <laughs> and then they hit the – John Tavares had a wide open net and hit the post low on the ice. So, Toronto, did you watch the game the other night, by the way, before we get into the matchups? Did you watch that game the other night? Yes, that was insane. It, I, I've, I've never in my life seen a team down five with three goals with five minutes left in an elimination game. Yep. And then they come back and win. I and that's the whole point I've been saying about Toronto for the longest time. They have so much offensive talent. For fifty five minutes they did nothing. And then in five minutes they did everything that they're potential to do. And they they just they, they, for whatever reason this team can't put it together. No, the they can't they keep Columbus around, the more Columbus has a chance to win this thing. Yeah, like they, they, there was absolutely no reason that they that Columbus should have been up. Really, this game should have been over. This probably should have been close to a sweep or a, what? This was a best of five, so four games. Like there, there's Columbus is one of those teams that's just always kind of hanging around, and it's more on the coach Tortorella than anyone else. Like no one. Like there's a couple guys here and there. They used to have Bobrovsky. Obviously, he's gone. Like the, their goal attenders fine. I don't think it's that spectacular so and to your point about like toronto should, should have eaten this team alive and the fact that they're struggling is, is crazy to me right and i mean it's with so much I mean, they also had seth jones come back because he was hurt and now that he's back um he's made a major difference as far as the other matchups go um i'm really looking forward to seeing um to see what Vegas does. Vegas won their round-robin matchup against Colorado yesterday. Um, who are they playing? I should know this right off the top of my head. Um, but Vegas, they look like that they're set to go deep. Um, 
I was really surprised that the Oilers got knocked out by Chicago, but we called that. Yeah, we, we, we did. We called that. We called the Montreal series, and we called the Blackhawks winning because um, – I think actually, I think they're playing the Blackhawks. They are playing the Blackhawks. Yes, Vegas, yeah, sorry, Vegas, yeah. and Chicago. Yep, because yeah, Vegas, Vegas is the one seed. Yeah, so Vegas, Chicago. I mean, I'm looking forward to see that because you have upstart versus experienced. Chicago's won three Stanley Cups in the past decade. I think that Vegas might be a difficult matchup for them. I'd be surprised to see that Vegas might get bounced here by Chicago. I, I just have a feeling that Chicago knows they don't have a lot left in the tank with their stars. Corey Crawford's been a little iffy. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if you see that they uh, um, that they that they bounce them. I just I, I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say Vegas, and I'll go a different route just so it's not re- re- repeating. But Vegas is definitely probably and maybe it's just lack of it's because of recency bias but Vegas is so much fun to watch the way they play the game uh it's it's always entertaining when i get a chance to actually see a west coast game and thanks to this new tournament this how this tournament worked out that's exactly what we got to see uh but i'm looking focused i'm really focused on defending champion St. Louis Blues against the Canucks because as you were alluding to, you're, you, we wouldn't you wouldn't be shocked if if the Blackhawks get knocked out by or excuse me knock out Vegas. I wouldn't be shocked if the Canucks can some, string something together here and knock out the Blues. I, yeah, I, I think the Canucks are playing with a, the the idea of something to prove because they obviously haven't seen anything. Um, they haven't really been in contention for a couple seasons now. But Vancouver's if, if the fact that they're getting a, a shot at the champs, the defending champs, right off right out of the gate here. And I know we want to talk about you always want to talk about the round robin, these qualifiers, these playoffs. This is where the playoffs truly start. No matter you can label it all you want, this is the playoffs. We're down to sixteen right. teams. This is where we're at here. Vancouver has something to prove. As I watch a commercial where the Blues are lifting the cup for a teaser to everything starting on Tuesday, Vancouver could give them serious problems over a seven-game stretch. Agreed. Vancouver has been very, very good. Quinn Hughes is one of the most fun kids you're going to watch in hockey. I would really stay up late for those games and watch them. They are fun. They had a great battle back and forth with Minnesota the other night. He and dominated too. Quinn, well, Quinn, Quinn Hughes. Hughes is a stud, and he's 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 Jack Hughes's brother. So I mean, those those are going to be fun oh, when they play. How did I not other. put that together? Why did I? Yeah, not? you didn't know that. I don't know why I didn't put that those two and two together. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Hugh, Hughes is a very common <laughs> yeah, last yeah. name. Like you. <laughs> It's one of those, yeah. like Smith, whenever you hear yeah. someone have, oh, he has the last name Smith, you don't immediately assume, oh, he's probably related to the other guy that I know, Smith. You're just like, oh, okay, it's, it's Smith. Cool. It's like Mike Smith at Edmonton. Yeah. Unoriginal name ever, yeah. Mike Smith. <laughs> so, but either way, that, yeah. that, I did not know that. I can't, so that's a, that'll be a fun thing to watch, that's for sure. Yeah. I think with the matchups, though, I think that with the, you have Vegas versus the Blackhawks, I, I think the Blackhawks have a shot to win that thing. I, I If I'm actually going to put money on it, it would be Vegas in six or seven. But I think Chicago has a chance if they stretch it to seven with their experience and their playoff experience. They have they have a chance to do it. Don't get me wrong. Vegas is experienced, too. They've been to a final a couple years ago. But the key is Robin Leonard starting in goal over Marc-Andre Fleury. That was yeah. a huge surprise to me. But I think that they're going with Leonard first and using Fleury as their backup plan just to be safe. Um I think that well, that way, might be something that that's the case. Yeah, and it's weird because we're definitely, and I think we've touched on this before. I don't, I can't remember if it was last week or, or the weeks in the in the prior leading into this into this playoff. Flurry's on the twilight of his career. Sadly, like we've been talking about this kid since twenty oh. 
37? No, because that was 36 this year. Yeah, like he's been around for a while, and goalies kind of get that shelf life after 34, 35, where you start to see them kind of turn. Uh, yeah, unless 30, your name Patrick Wall, uh, yeah. unless your name is Patrick Wall, then you're <laughs> then you're then you're kind of going on the on the downslope. Or uh, uh, Ron Brindam, not Ron Brindamore, Martin Ron. Brodeur. Jesus, yeah. what's up? I haven't I gotten any sleep. Are you okay today? Are you okay? I, well, I, I, I mo- I'm monitoring my dog. To, to, to peel the, the, peel, go behind the curtain a little bit. I'm monitoring my dog as we do this because he was a dumbass and ate a mushroom. So I'm making sure he's not going to die. So, yeah, he, But he, he, he seems he, fine. It seems like he just ate it and was like, oh, I definitely shouldn't have eaten this. So if the worst thing he... He's over there. He's doing shrooms. Right, he's exactly. He's like shipping. if he's just having a bad trip, that's the, that, that's the least of my concerns. Speaking of Bar- that. Martin Brodeur is who I was referring to, obviously, the guy that carried on. By the way, again, I don't want to go into tangent of this. Now that Martin Brodeur is out of the league, can we get rid of the trapezoid, please? Can like um, there's no need for it anymore. No, I I I disagree. I disagree. I think that it's necessary because it adds more speed to the game. Because if you start clearing things down, you get to use co- the goaltenders and third defensemen. I go the there. way that it could create more chances on the uh, on the rush. If you can have your goalie that is able to stick handle, uh, th- th- like why wouldn't you try? Like if he can spring a rush the off the bars, maybe it'll still slow the game down. It would still slow the game. I think that the, the Devils at that time they didn't play a a, a uh, what's called a stretch game. They didn't. They generated chances off of turnovers and went off the rush the other way. Yeah, it wasn't because Brodor would slow the play down and slow the forecheck down, so it would slow the game down. It was part of their part of their system. Taking out the trapezoid would allow players who were good with the stick handling to limit offense going the other way. While it's good record-wise, it leads to slow hockey because it clogs the neutral zone. Fair enough. Uh, that's all I got. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but I, I just we... it, it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing on the ice. That's all. That, that's really yeah. my issue with it. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. If you mean it, it, it also it works here in the NHL because they they have a smaller ice rink than the Olympic size. Olympic, it wouldn't work because you have too much space. You kind of need your goaltender to sometimes play the puck around there. Um, I, I just just my view. I think that having a goaltender back there, kind of playing the pass a little bit more, would clog up the neutral zone and slow the game down a little bit. That's kind of what. That's why teams always struggled against the Devils, not because they employed the neutral zone trap. It was because Brodor could spring them going the other way, and they'd get chances off the rush. That's why it was boring hockey. They'd get a lead and sit on it. So, yeah, I I, I, I see the point of still hagging. I I could see the argument the other way. I just think that there's not enough goaltenders who would take advantage of it anyway. So it's really pointless at that at this point. It's not a thing for goaltenders nowadays. Well, let's get let's get back to Flyers and Canadians here. As we as, as, like, I th- like. Like I said, I think this is going to be a very, very, very quick series, or it's going to go six or seven. Like it, I don't think this goes five. I, I think this this I think Philadelphia, the way they're playing, makes quick work of the Montreal Canadiens, or the Montreal comes out swinging and, and they're able to pull this thing out. Um, as far as we know, it's not going to start until pro- I would imagine Wednesday because Montreal just played, so they probably want to give them two days off uh, to to figure everything out. But like what? Who's the player that you need to see perform on both ends, on offensive and defense of the Florida the Flyers here uh, early on, barring any scratches or healthy scratches, whatever? Who just who's the who's the guy you're looking at? Drew. Yeah. No question in my mind. He hasn't done anything in the round robin games. Drew is the guy I'm looking at to lead the team, and here's why: not only because he has the C on his chest, 
The issue is with playing Montreal, you have a team here who does not expect to be here, has come off a win. Again, Pittsburgh hadn't been playing well pretty much all season. They kind of fell off the map a bit. They had a lot of problems. Their defense looks really sluggish. Malkin, when he's not moving his feet, it's all on Crosby. And, and even just with Crosby's talent alone, he doesn't have enough to go with it. Jake Gensel didn't look like he came back well from that. Montreal still has Carey Price. That's huge. Okay, Carey Price was really good in that series. He was very good. Carey Price has also lost twice to the Flyers in the playoffs. He lost in 2008 in five games, and they lost in 2010 in five games. They have not beaten the Flyers in the playoffs since the 70s. I believe, And so I would be a little bit concerned knowing that guys like Carey Price, who is starting to hit that age, about 32, 33. He'll be 33 this year, I believe. Yep. Yes, Shea Weber I, will be 35 this year. Gosses, or not to, he turns, I think Shea, Sam Karshidi said this, he turns 33, I think Thursday, or maybe, and, and we have our own goalie celebrating his 22nd birthday this week too as well. So right. it's crazy the, the diversity that's happening here. Exactly, and that's that makes it fun. Carey Price doesn't have a lot of chances left in the tank if he's going to stay a Montreal Canadian. Now, they're on the upswing, and here's why. Shea Weber's still there on the blue line. He scored two goals during this playing round. Jeff Petrie had two game-winning goal, game goals. What's important to note with them is, is their defense. I'll come back to G in a second why it's important for him, but the Canadians also have Joel Armia. They have Nick Suzuki, who's a rookie, and they have Jonathan Drouin, who has a lot of speed. They have guy Thomas Tutar. They have guys who can score. They work the play down low, and then they feed it back to Shea Weber because he literally has a nuclear bomb for a clapper, which is hockey term for slap shot. It's it, his clapper is ridiculous, and it's you know you know it's coming, but it gets by you so fast through traffic. You, you don't even know it's there. He's very dangerous like that. Jeff Beatrie will jump in off the rush and score two goals. He scored two game winners in this series. It's it, They have a lot going for them that if they use their speed and get the Flyers kind of scrambling a little bit, kind of like they did against Tampa Bay, you're playing with fire there. I think that there might be a game or two here that Carey Price is going to wind up stealing. They're just not going to be able to score. Giroux's got to come through. Jake's got to do something. JVR's got to score. Those guys are the guys I'm looking at saying, okay, your 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 bottom your your top nine. I'm sorry, your your bottom nine got you through the round robin. Your top line didn't do anything. Now, granted, they didn't give anything up on the top line, other top lines, which is great, but that's not good either. They need production from those guys because if you're gonna beat a goalie like Shea, I'm sorry, beat a defenseman like Shea Weber and beat a goalie like Carey Price, you've gotta be at the top of your game. This is on G to take the control of this team and say, yo, we're going for this. And I mean, if they do, it's possible they can make quick work. But again, I just I can see Shea Weber and his effect and also Carey Price's effect, and that those two players alone can steal a game or two in this series. And that's why I think that it's very possible for the Flyers to win this series, but it might take six or seven games. Yeah, and, and that's easily that, – that that's not a, out of the realm of possibility. We've continued to say that time and time again. In addition to Claude, I 
I'm if he continues to get ice time because I think he is. I don't, especially because we still don't know what's up with JVR. Um, they, they, I mean, again, under these rules of the NHL, under in the bubble, they're just saying he's unfit to play, and we haven't really been told much of what's going on. So, it doesn't sound like we're going to see Voracek uh, in this early on in the first in the first round series against Montreal for for the JVR. No, I thought Voracek was hurt. They said Voracek was injured as well. Ooh. They said Voracek was out last uh, right before game three. Yeah, they randomly took him out, and everyone it, it was very odd. Uh, but Voracek was a. I'm sorry. Now, now I'm all confused. JVR was the one that got he came back a healthy scratch, and he came yeah. back for for uh, Sunday, yesterday's game, Saturday. Sorry, Saturday's game against Tampa. So Voracek being out, I think. It's not the end of the world. Like I know that sound. We continue to sound like an anti Voracek podcast, but like We're it's not. really not because it's it's not the end of the world because of how well the bottom nine was playing. Right. If if the bottom nine wasn't playing as well as they were, one they probably are the three or four seed, and two Voracek's uh, lack of production is even more amplified than it was. Uh, without that that production, so the guy I'm looking at, I really I I'm hoping because of these scratches and that that and because of how well he played against the Tampa Bay Lightning, my guy is Shane Gossespierre. I think this kid has we've Ooh. reached a, he's reached a point where he knows where he sits with this team. He's going to be on the trade block come this offseason more likely than not, and he's either playing for his next team or he's trying to prove something to to, to AV like listen. You give me a couple more minutes on the ice, I'll prove I'll make it worth your while. In whether that is strictly offensive production to make you just like if he gets two or three points over this uh, over the first couple games against Montreal and is is average on the defensive side, AV will still stick with him because of what he probably will produce. It all depends on context as well, but on the face of it, if you're doing that as as, as Shane Gossifer does, he'll AV will keep him in the line there. And I agree, and I think that we, you know, we've talked about before. You, having Jake in your lineup is better than not having Jake in your lineup. And, and I think that with with Jake being out, if that's the case, if he's out long term, he was just labeled as unavailable. They're not going into detail. If Jake can't go against Montreal in Game One or Game Two or whatever, you're going to need that offensive push from Shane. The only thing that concerns me is that you don't want to make the risky play because because Montreal has enough speed to go off the rush the other way and make you pay. Um, that is my concern with him. But you know what? The way he played the other night against Tampa, I'm thinking the kid might be ready for the challenge, which would be really, really helpful for this team if he's able to push more offense from the back end because, yep. listen, I mean – I, I, I keep harping on it, but you, you don't underrate the guy. You're going to need a lot of traffic. You're going to need a lot of – you're going to have to kick some garbage goals against Carey Price because he's, he's just really hard to score. And laterally, he's the best skater in the league. His The hard pushes look effortless. The guy can – go back and watch game two. If you go and watch the highlights from game two, watch the power play sequence from the Penguins in the second period. Watch how Carey Price was moving through all that and kept them off the board. It, they lost the game. Because of two errors, but I mean, still, the guy's gonna move left and right like crazy, and he's he's gonna you know give a hard, the offense a hard look. So, um, if, the more that you can 
ammunition you can put out there against this team, the the better you're going to have it. So, I, I, and again, if you get past this round and get in the later rounds, you're going to need those guys to have confidence as well. But don't look past this first round. They need to get through this first. No, and and, I, and to continue on the Goss despair, he looked exactly what you expect from Ghost. Uh, in years past, on Saturday night against against Tampa, he was getting shots from the point. He was getting he was making some good efforts to just keep the puck in the zone. Uh, that's basically basically he was back to his mo. Exactly what we expect from him, he was giving us. I, I again, it goes back to the mantra: we didn't say his name a lot when talking about him defensively. We're saying his name a lot on the offensive boards, which is like if we're not talking about him on the defensive side, he probably had a decent game. I haven't gone back and watched, watched the game yet, uh, the Tampa game, to see how specifically he did on the defensive side. I'd assume he did pretty well because we, we, we haven't mentioned his name in defensive criticism. No, and I don't. And I, from going back from when I did see him on the ice, I didn't see any issues with his play. Again, they kept Tampa's speed out of the middle. They kept him outside of the perimeter. There, what was great with the Flyers is that any time that someone had the puck coming around the middle, there was just a swarm of guys around, two, three players around the puck carrier in the middle, two guys trying to throw off the player, and one guy trying to look for where the puck was going. And um, they wouldn't allow anything. Yes, they worked him a perimeter. They had him skating around circles, but that's where the conditioning comes in. So yep. uh, defensively, I didn't see any problems with Shane's game. Again, I didn't like how they were pinned down for most of the period in the third to backtrack again. You're, I don't think Montreal doesn't have the offense where they're going to do that, but they have the speed to counter the, the off the rush to really be dangerous. So um, I don't think you'll see that again. Um, it's just a, it's something to be aware of when you're watching the game because it's very possible that you know uh, they that team will try to spread the Flyers out and hopefully they collapse in the middle like they were before and they'll be okay. Yeah, and it, it, I just I don't know. Like I I just. I am so high on the Flyers play, and I think because of how bad every other Philadelphia team is playing right now, I think the Sixers. The Sixers are going against Portland at the time of this recording. I don't know if they. I know they were trailing, and Bede was hurt. He went to the locker room. The Phillies oh, bullpen, really? yeah, oh. the, the Phillies bullpen, and Spencer Howard continues to struggle. I think. Listen, what I will say is, if you are riding high. On this team, you absolutely should be. I certainly am. Scott's trying to give us a little dose of reality on how the NHL playoffs work. Screw him. Just continue to (laughs) just continue to enjoy this because this has been probably. I don't think I've had this much fun watching a Flyers team since 2012. Because that was like I and yeah, not purposely. That was because, the last time they were fun. Yeah, that was the last time they won a series. Like the times, as we've said, when they played Washington in twenty eighteen. I, I twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Pittsburgh in twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen when they played Pittsburgh. Twenty sixteen Washington. You never felt like they were actually going to do anything. Yeah, they may steal one, but it, especially against uh, Washington in twenty sixteen, there was no chance because they they won the cup that year. Ovechkin had the most legendary playoff. Uh, not playoff uh, playoffs Stanley Cup celebration I've ever seen like it's it, you had no chance Pittsburgh you can always always steal something from Pittsburgh we saw that uh, throughout this season especially after what uh, everyone's freaking out over the seven one loss early on like there everything can be stolen from Pittsburgh so even if they had stolen something like that in 2018 they were gonna lose in the next round either anyway yeah yeah they they, they weren't built for 
you know, a deep playoff run back then. I, but even, they were. Even in 2012, they, they weren't. They, they weren't, weren't in the terms of how the coach structured them. We know, no. we've talked about it. They didn't have the goaltending to do it. They had okay. Michael Neuwirth and, and yes. Brian Elliott. No but they still, had, the they still had the, the, this roster today is still generally what they was in 2018, just the two top, years removed. The, the top line and a half maybe, but they didn't have Kevin Hayes. They didn't have the depth along the bottom six. That but team they was had not going to go far. They, pro- they had it in the farm system, but they didn't. Yeah, but I'm saying they didn't have it playing in the league. Right, like right. This team has not been – okay, you know, I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer here. Uh, I, I, as I, you I, continue to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not. I, I'm trying to <laughs> – can I, can I, let me get my point across. The point is I did it on purpose that time. Um, mm-hmm. No, my – look – Look, I'm not trying to be a Dibby Downer. I'm just trying to evaluate from what I'm seeing, to be honest with you. Look, I, I think the Flyers are playing very well. I think they're doing well. But again, look, I've seen this team play over the past 25 years of my life. I've seen a lot where they look like they're playing well going into the playoffs, and then they fall flat on their face. So it's just a dose of reality. You're right. So you're but saying I'm, you... I'm, I'm super excited at the fact so... that they have an opportunity to do the, to go deep here. So, I mean, you're, so you're saying that you only started liking the Flyers when you were 10 years old? You're such a front runner. Yeah, I know. I'm so bad. I, know. <laughs> I had no idea what hockey was before that. It was all about Eagles and, and, and Ty Detmer and Rodney Pete at the time. And my buddy's like, hey, check Ty hockey out. Ty Detmer. Yeah. And then Rodney Pete and then Bobby Hoying. I was, believe it or not, before I became a real big hockey fan, I was a huge football fan. I, don't get me wrong. I still love football and the Eagles. But hockey's my jam. Hockey became my jam because, like, whoa, this is really cool. Oh, nobody else watched it? This is really neat. <laughs> so that's honestly what it was for right. me. Right, so. yeah. Um, All right, so, so. let's let's just uh, wrap this up. Like, I don't know where we'll wait for the schedule to be announced before we announce when we'll we'll have our next episode. I imagine we'll probably have one uh, Wednesday night after the the Flyers. If if either way, we'll probably have one after the game one, and then we'll go from there on, on, on how we're going to schedule everything. Um, your initial, what's your you already make? What's your official prediction here? Where are the Flyers going to win in seven, lose in seven, or where? I, we've been talking about it time throughout this podcast, but where do you see? Where what's your official prediction for this game, for this series? Look, you want to call me a Debbie Downer and, and a dose of realism? I'll give you a realism for you. Okay, Montreal is going to lose in six. I knew you were going to do that. Like, you, like there was no way you had me on the edge of my seat going, this bastard's really going to pick the Montreal Canadiens to beat this. I knew I wasn't going to buy that from you. No. I, I look, I mean, the Flyers, I, I, had, I would be more concerned if they played a team like um, Columbus or Toronto because of how Toronto's so Jekyll and Hyde, it's amazing, and... and Columbus can just shut you down because of how responsible defensively they are, and John Tortorella being their coach. Columbus is still winning one nothing, by the way. Um, the The way I look at this is that the Flyers have a team that's rolling four lines. Montreal doesn't. Although you have to take into consideration how well Montreal's goaltending is, really, when it comes down to it, their goaltending is somewhat of a wash. Carey Price, while he played well in that series, he didn't have to dominate. He's really going to be tested here. Shea Weber, as much of a force as he is, if you control him on the offensive side, you take away his biggest perk of being able to throw clappers from the point. He's going to get chances. The team has speed. But overall, the Flyers are much more well-balanced. You you can't look at the team and say, wow, it would be a massive upset if the Flyers did lose. Now, 
I'm not saying that they're going to come out and light the world on fire right away. I think Montreal knows that they have an opportunity here and they're going to they're, give a chance. They're going to have a couple games here that they're going to win that they're probably not going to. If they the Flyers sweep or win in five, I'll be surprised, to be honest with you. I see this game going, a series going a little bit longer because of the way Montreal has their skill set and the way they're constructed, but the Flyers' balance and then their depth is much, much, much more dangerous come this time of year, and that's why I believe that they're going to do well. And I tell you what, as a side note, it would be really cool if Columbus wins this game to see Tampa and Columbus back-to-back years. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I think Columbus can do it again. Yeah. Well, because if, if Tampa has to play them again, it's going to be get, it, get in their heads. It's not just that. I think Tampa would want to be like, whoa, like we lost these guys last year. Like They're going to want to show revenge. And I just think that they're going to really push for that, but it's going to make Columbus better because John Tortorella is going to push that team even harder. I mean, Columbus is a team you don't want to play either right now, but I'm happy the Flyers are first place because they do get the most favorable matchup for them Yep. and not against teams that are really like this. these two teams are just grinding it out right now. This is great hockey. So Yeah, uh, give me Flyers in five. I, I think history continues to repeat itself. As you said, they beat them in, 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 in 2010 in five in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the previous, I'm blanking on the year you mentioned. 2008. 2008, when they played them again, they beat them in five in the quarterfinals. I, I think history repeats itself. Not, and I think there's also the side story, and I th- we'll start hearing about this. I think it's in... This might. This will definitely be the first thing we hear in the the side story that NBC or whoever NBC Sports Philly finds. Carter Hart's idol growing up, and one of the reasons why he is a goalie is because of one Carey Price. Yes. And I think when players, young players in particular, are put in this scenario where you're facing your childhood idol, you have something to prove, and it could go one of two ways. And I think it's going to go the way that Carter Hart completely spins on his, continues to spin on his head like he has been, and really plays well and leads the Flyers into a, in a five game win against this team. I see no, and that and that definitely is a factor. Like he he even admitted it before he got caught looking a little too much when uh, yeah, he played remember, against yeah. Carey Price against the first time, which is which is a neat thing to to see. But Carter Hart's so technically sound, like Carey Price's, is, is that I don't see him. Blinking, I, I think that you're going to see probably the best goaltending matchup here in in here in here. Then and really, let's be honest. I mean, where Carey Price is in his career, he's still an elite goaltender. He's still a great goaltender. This could be some sort of passing of the torch, which would be really really cool to see. Yeah, I I definitely see that. Like I, I I'm always I find the phrase passing of the torch a weird one, but I also get it because it, especially it works the most well with with goalies. So pass. Really? It would establish Carter Hart really on the national stage of how well of a goaltender he is. Yes, really, if, because Carey Price Carter has gotten that Hart, attention a lot. You're a hundred percent right. If Carter Hart lead, it plays very well in this series and beats Montreal, is one of the reasons why they win. Whether it's in five, six, or seven, doesn't matter what. If he wins, the national attention is suddenly on Carter Hart. Like he will become not a household name, but a lot of people in the NHL will start to whisper his name, leading into what could be like. I think the best example is Carter Hart might be the next Matt Murray, a young kid that kind of came out of nowhere. He's not That's stealing so the job from from a, a, an established starter like he did with Matt Murray did with Mark Andre Fleury, but there's similarities there. Both very young, they could win a cup. Like I think that's the best comparison to to for, to hold right now for Carter Hart. All right, I I'll 
I'll allow it. I hope he doesn't go Matt Murray's route because Matt Murray's taking a step back the last few No, I know, but I, like the year that they won the cup, Matt Murray was spinning on his head out of his mind. Oh, he was ridiculously like they're, good. Like he if did you, it back-to-back years. Yeah, if you were going up against Matt Murray that year or the year after that, you were not – you you took another look before you decided to take a shot. You hesitated and it was over. That's that's exactly how it goes down. Like that, and that, right. and that's what I kind of see. There's similarities there, certainly between him and Carter Hart. Oh, I completely agree, and I think that'll. I think that it's weird for our sense of seeing a goaltender that we actually believe in to take us to the promised land. I think yeah. that we have not yep. seen that in a long, long time. I and mean, we can go down a list of goalies here. We can look at you know. Uh, Steve Mason. Steve Mason had a great run in 2013-14, could never replicate it, and then that was it for him. Um, you know, you look back at Marty Biron, you look back at Ron Hextall, Garth Snow, uh, who else? Ray Emery. Um, you know, the, the the list the list goes. Ontario Nitamaki, Robert Ash, Jeff Hackett. Um, the names go on. Yeah, I, I think that nobody has with this much talent has come between the pipes for this team. Since probably, honestly, either Ron Hextall's rookie year or Pelly Lindbergh before he passed. So, yeah. um, I, I, you know, that's that's the thing is that these guys are going to scrap it out. It's going to be a fun series to watch. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, just, you know, be be wary. It's not going to be easy. No, and nothing ever is, especially in, in the NHL playoffs, especially in an NHL playoffs that's being played in a pandemic with no fans, isolated in Toronto and Edmonton. They Hopefully, had, they, they, had, they had fans in Edmonton today. Really? Yeah, in the stands. They, they it's hilarious. The during one of the during the game, it went to the big screen and said, "Edmonton wants to thank the fans," and then it went over, and there were literally four fans in oh, the that's stands. Like, funny. Like I can't like believe I four that. fans. <laughs> That's um, are are we sure they're not the flat the uh the hat trick hat thrower interns? No, that are there? they were legitimately that's just incredible. Four fans sitting in like the Phillies. Uh, thank you, fans. It was great. It's like the the Philly fans that are sitting outside the left field gate. The pandemic crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about those. That's guys. funny. Wow. You know what's weird? Speaking of the Phillies, just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I thought it was really cool that they're building that casino right behind Citizens Bank Park because you see that, that the garage that's taken over like part of the view there. Yes. I looked at that when I was watching. I was like, whoa, like that's, that's it's so, huge. It's Every, cool. So my dad and I, we well, my dad, and I just mooch off of him and get to go. My dad has season tickets to the Eagles, and mm-hmm. where we park is actually right off of Patterson. Uh, yeah. Not Patterson, um Packer, sorry, right off Packer, uh, right by that where they're building that, and we walk by it every week. So when the when the Eagles had that long layoff and we came back, the week by week construction view of that stadium, that that casino is immaculate. That that is going to be one. It's going to make billions of dollars every Sunday when the Eagles and everything's back to normal. Hopefully, it's going to make billions of dollars on Sunday every Sunday for the rest of time for NFL season. It, it's it's so genius to put it right there. Agreed, man. So good it's for them. Be, when 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 things start getting back to normal, that complex is going to be great, just like it was again when they brought out Xfinity Live. That was a great concept, yep. and you know people have their you know their knocks against it. But think about it you have you have literally five different bars there right in front of the stadiums. You can't get any better than that. Nope. Well, 
I think that's a good place to wrap. Uh, so let's do a quick rundown here. So for the f- playoffs, uh, remainder of the playoffs, the real playoffs begin. You got Philadelphia and Montreal, obviously. Tampa Bay is going to take on the winner of this right now in ta- Columbus and Toronto. Looking like Columbus right now as they lead one nothing with about 10 minutes left in the second period. Washington and Islanders, where do you see that? Real uh, quick. I can see, see the Islanders. It depends on what happens with their um, – let me put it this way. It depends on what happens with what teams you're getting out of it. Now, the Islanders are very defensively responsible. Um, I think that Washington, they've been a little erratic on offense. They haven't hasn't really been there. You know, Alex Ovechkin's always a big factor. John Carlson's going to be a bigger matchup, a bigger thing for them. John Carlson's really going to have to come back and really make sure that he's pushing the pace up ice if they have a chance for it because the Islanders are really – getting up there with as far as their uh, they don't score a whole lot of goals but they play very well defensively they have Simeon Varlamov and goal yep. Anthony Bavillier is turning into a real star player um, I can see that one going I would say that's going to go the distance I would say though that Washington has a little bit more experience and I think that with winning it a couple years ago I think they might pull that out in seven uh, Boston and Carolina I think that's the second most intriguing matchup for me uh when it comes to this, these playoffs, I'm gonna go Carolina in five. I don't think Boston's looked well. I at all 100% since agree. It seems like Boston has treated this whole entire thing. I know the round robin is a little bit weird to try and get a mindset of where you're at with it. Boston just doesn't seem like they want to be there, and I know they voted in approval of this uh, when they were still discussing all of this back in. What was it? Late May, early June. Yeah. We were we were figuring out what the NHL was going to do in terms of re coming coming back. And I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Boston's got screwed. Like they they played for the number one seed and they deserved it. And then they the NHL kind of just took it away from them because of how they decided to structure this. And the Flyers benefited. Boston just kind of treated this entire round robin as if it was a preseason or even less than that. Um, see. I don't know if if you're the honestly with all due respect they're a good team but if you really were the best team you would have ran train through this I, yeah, I don't think exactly. that they they show that the talent that they have I don't think they played up to it they granted they got off to a little bit of a rough start took a rest missed some time practicing and also that and he missed some games and and then David Pasternak took a while to get going again because uh, he was out for a bit um, it's not a chemistry issue for them uh, I just think that they just don't have it right now whatever it was was working from the season isn't working for them now there's not the flow or just uh the way they're playing it's not working and i think the carolina really showed how good of a team they can get the only thing that might turn that series is the layoff carolina has been off for almost a week yeah so um yeah. by the time they get started again it might take them a game or two to get going against a team that boston it might play into them in a low scoring game so um Carolina does have great talent up front, Andre Svechnikov and Sebastian Ajo. Um, but their goaltending is questionable, though. I, Peter Morozik and James Reimer, with all due respect to them, they're they're good goaltenders, but they're not guys who really can can lead you, I believe. Uh, so it'll be it'll that'll be a fun one to watch. But I think that Carolina has the edge here. I think they can. I think they can. They want revenge from being swept last year. Yep. They got a good matchup for them. Yeah, I, I got Carolina in six. I, oh, and I also have Washington in six. I think they. I think they just hold better against the Islanders. Uh, Vegas and Chicago. We touched on a little bit here. I think we both are in. Well, no, I. I think you were more heavy on Chicago beating Vegas. I have Vegas over them. I think they're still I think they're riding high cuz now they have the one, number 1 seed. I think Vegas takes this one in 7. 
Well, Vegas is deep. They're such a good hockey team. They've they've played at the top of the. They were near the top of the Western Conference at the end of this thing. Um, they're showing how well they are. Um, I just think with Chicago, the, I mean, Connor McDavid had nine points in 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 four games. That's ridiculous. Yep. Um, to be able to shut them down. Look, Corey Crawford. He's he's got experience, but he's still questionable in goal. He gave up a couple of softies through that series. Um, that might play in the Vegas' favor, uh, but I think though that Chicago does have the experience with uh, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, uh, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford. They've they've done it, so they they know how to get through it. I just think that if you, if anybody's going to take them out, I don't think Vegas is one going to go out in the first round like they did last year in San Jose style when they were up three nothing in Game Seven, blew it, and lost in overtime. So yeah. Um, you might be right, Vegas, but I'm still saying if it goes seven, I, I would lean the Montreal. But I'll say I'm sorry, yeah, but Chicago. Um, but I, I, you're you're probably right. It's probably going to be Vegas going in that one. Uh, this is probably the least exciting one because I I think like it, the one team uh, the one team in this just doesn't excite me at all. Colorado and Arizona. I I see Colorado dominating this and winning in five. They should. There's no reason that they shouldn't. Nathan McKinnon is one of the best players in the game. Uh, in the world, actually, not just in the game. Um, Nathan Kinnan and Gabriel Landeskog, they have good goaltending in Philip Grubauer. Um, I think that they would actually probably, I wouldn't say a sweep because Arizona's been able to eke it out. Uh, they did beat a, a good Nashville team. Uh, it depends on what how well, what, what level of Darcy Kemper they're going to be playing against. Um I would say that game's if that goes six, I'll be surprised. But I think she, I think Colorado could win in five, possibly even sweep them. Yeah, and this is the other one that I, I I'm like either or on. I'm hot and cold on it. I should say Calgary and Dallas. Like Calgary is such an up and down team in my eyes that I don't know what to make of them. So I think Dallas is an interesting matchup for a matchup for them for sure because of Dallas is also a hot and cold team. It seems uh, from what yeah. I've seen. Uh, yeah. But I kind of like. I lean Calgary in this, and I definitely see this one going seven. Uh, yeah, I think that this one's going to go deep. Both of them have some issues. They've not really been consistent. Cam Talbot stepped in for David Riddick in Calgary and yep. played very, very well. Former Flyer Cam I was going to say former Flyer who yeah, didn't barely play a flyer. Um, he signed with Calgary because he thought he was good enough still to start. Uh, I saw his game decline severely in Edmonton. He played very well in that first round um, yeah. against against the Jets. Now, the Jets did not have Patrick Laine, and they did not have Mark Scheifele. They lost a lot of their offense and ran out of gas in that last game. Dallas does have some scoring ability. Um, they still have uh, they still have Jamie Benn. They have, they have Tyler Sagan. Um, John Klimberg on their point is really good. Uh I, I think you're right. This one's going to go the distance. But, I mean, Calgary's got some threats. They have Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan. They have guys who can put the puck in the net. But when they're clicking, they're clicking. But it really comes down to which team is going to be least consistent to kind of get through this one. But I lean Calgary because they're a little better scoring up front. Yep. And the final matchup, the former – or, excuse me, the defending champs in St. Louis and Vancouver. I touched on how this is my uh, most exciting series to watch. I think it's going to be interesting because I think Vancouver is probably the best matchup to go up against St. Louis in that this first round. Um, I But I still see St. Louis squeaking this one out in six. Uh, how do you see it? Um, I think that I'm going to go Vancouver in seven. Very nice. Um, Love I, it. Because – St. Louis kind of showed some flaws. Jordan Bennington didn't really play that well. 
they kind of look like the route that Boston did. They just have a team that they were number one throughout the entire season and just kind of never been able to put it together yet. Granted, when you get in the playoffs against a different thing, um, Jacob Markstrom has been a really good goaltender for uh, for Vancouver. You're going to watch a lot of Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, JT Miller is who can be a real productive scorer when he's uh, when he's really playing his game. Uh, I, I think this one is going to be tighter than you think. I don't think it'll be six. I think that Vancouver will be able to pull this one out in seven. Uh, they're they're itching. They're they're close enough where they're really going to start in the next year or two here. They have an ability to get back to contendership. Uh, but I think that it would be a good jump start for them if they could do St. Louis. has been pretty inconsistent as of late. Yep. And finally, uh, well, oh wait, no, that was the last one. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm so in playoff uh, 22 team mode. I'm I'm not used to this. Uh, either way, well, that's going to do it for this edition of uh, Orange and Backcheck. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, oh. Flyers in five. The fact that the Flyers are a consistently good team. Uh, especially they could have stumbled out of the gate here and then everyone would have started panicking. The fact that they picked her up right where they were in March, I think you should have all the confidence in the world that this team is going to go not just win this series in against Montreal and up in Toronto, but they're going right. to, I feel like they're going to end up in Edmonton here. All right. All right. Relax. Listen, let's, I have to get not, happy. Let's not get I, ahead of ourselves. I'm let's not getting get ahead. I'm series. making predictions here, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's not really a prediction. Oh, it's just, stop let's, dumping let's, cold let's, water on all the Flyers fans. Focus and our listeners. on one series at a time. <laughs> Don't fall into that trap because listen, if they do go out it's in not, the first it's round not, for whatever it, reason, it's going to be really like, oh my God, what happened? I mean, it, to be fair, it's not the fans' job to only look ahead to one series. It's the players' job to only look at Montreal. Us fans are supposed to look ahead and look at all the scenarios. That's what the purpose of this podcast is. Hey, I'm not looking at this as a fan. I'm looking at this from a coaching point uh, Okay, <laughs> okay, Scott. Uh, okay, Coach Weinhart. <laughs> that, on that just, note. That's why I'm a realist with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Man. That's all. That's, that's, that's all. definitely why, because you have the coach's bug. Exactly. So, all right, that's going to do it for this edition, episode 40. Man, we've already made it 40. 40 episodes. 40 episodes in, and we're going to have another one for you sometime this week uh, to have a reaction of the game one, which is either going to be tomorrow, or excuse me, on Tuesday night uh, or uh, Wednesday night, depending on how they decide the schedule. Uh, we'll probably get that after tonight's game in Col- against Columbus and the Blue yeah. and, and <laughs> Toronto. And we'll be able to make our final prediction of who wins that series. Oh yeah, I guess I did miss that. Tampa, yeah. Tampa going against Toronto, and, and either or, I see Tampa winning it. I think that I think they have a. I, I think they'll win in six or seven. I don't think Tampa beats Toronto, but that's just me. Fair enough. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's the only prediction we don't exactly have, but we'll see yeah. what happens. Exactly. Uh, but we thank you for listening. Episode 40 again of Orange and Backcheck. Listen to us, or excuse me, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and all the uh, podcast platforms that you have. Leave us a review if you want to give it. Maybe we'll read it on the air. Uh, we will read it on the air, I should say. Shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Oh, and, fo- and give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Orange and Backcheck. Click follow. We always appreciate it. And spread the word about us because we have no other way to spread the word of the podcast other than you, the listener. And, and thanks to you, we are hitting great numbers for our only less than a year, less than nine months of doing this thing. It's been incredible. We have nobody else but to, to thank but you. So we, from the bottom of our hearts, we truly appreciate it. Uh, and that's going to do it. We'll talk to you guys uh, in a couple days. Thank you, fans. I suck, and I only downloaded it to the work computer. Oh, you know what? Hold on. Maybe not. Let's see.
Yeah, I suck. I don't have it.